0: This episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast is brought to you by On Point Pomade. Keep your beard and hair looking on point with their line of pomades and beard oils over at onpointpomade.com. Use our code BSP15 at checkout and get 15% off your total purchase order. So thanks again to On Point Pomade for sponsoring our show. This episode is also sponsored by The Bean Bastard Coffee. Head over to TheBeanBastard.com and pick up any one of their delicious hand-roasted coffees. Coffee lovers will also enjoy their hand-cut and handmade espresso candles and soaps as well. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, head to their store located at 448 Elmwood Avenue. And thanks again to The Bean Bastard for supporting this show. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. With over 500,000 officially licensed items in their online store, you're guaranteed to find something you need. Use our code BRUTALLY and get 10% off your total purchase order. Now on to the show. up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking podcast. I am John, your host, and this episode's guest is a legendary Dennis DeYoung, formerly of Sticks, the voice of Sticks, the voice of a generation. His latest album, 28 East Volume 2, is out now via Frontiers Records. Um, very much like I said last week with D Snyder, it is sometimes an honor and a privilege to get to talk to some of these people who I grew up with, uh, in my house listening to music and so forth. Um, I mean, honestly, like, who doesn't know Sticks? Like, who didn't grow up indirectly with Sticks? Like, you probably... There are probably, like, some of these other bands where, like, you, you know more music than you think you do, but it was just really a, a privilege to get to talk to Mr. DeYoung, and it was one of those where, during the chat... You know, we had kind of uh, missed each other a couple of times. And then finally, when we got to do it, it's almost like it was meant to be for this time because instead of having, you know, press on either side of me, it was basically me. Uh, and that allowed Dennis and I to really have a, a good conversation instead of it being like a 20 minute press junket kind of thing. Basically, I had to spend an hour with him. And it was really cool to kind of, you know, he, he says some of the things that you've heard him say in some of the other interviews you'll hear on, like Eddie Trunk and so forth. But I think by and large, the thing I really enjoyed about getting to talk to Dennis and really wanting to talk to him, Hey, the, the album is incredible. The music he's put out is really good. It's it's not one of those where you can tell they it's phoned in the heydays behind them. They're just doing this just to keep the name alive or whatever. This, this record really is good and it stands up with anything else Dennis has done over his prolific career at this point. Um, the fact that he's essentially calling it done as a, as a recording artist, is crazy because this is uh, these two volumes are just so good, but uh, it was one of those where you know hearing him on Eddie Trunk quite a bit, hearing him on Chris Jericho's podcast, he was one of the few people from the era that he's from that has really done so well adapting to new forms of media to to, to be able to do interviews and you know talk at length, tell great stories and. You know, it's one of those where it's like when you you have someone like Dennis who has done as, what he has and is able to, to really shine in this podcast medium, it's like, well, why the fuck wouldn't you want to have someone like that on? And so I jumped at the opportunity and I, and I had a really good time talking with him. And it is kind of funny because there's a couple of moments in this where... You know, I did challenge him a little bit. You know, he's he's kind of saying that, you know, people don't buy physical media anymore. And I'm literally sitting next to a shelf with all my records on it and, you know, kind of challenging him that I think a lot of people do actually still want tangible things that they can grab, touch, feel, smell, all those kind of things. And I think that's even why the podcast medium is doing so well. Um, You know, I was listening to the Jesse Leach episode that Dewey from Pure Pleasure uh, had just posted as of when I'm recording this. And, you know, something that those two kind of talk about at length is just that there's a sense of connection that people are missing uh, in our day-to-day lives. You know, we're so quick to be integrated into social media, looking at our phones on computers and so forth that, you know, we're missing the day-to-day interactions that we used to have, you know, the way you would get tribal knowledge kind of of just kind of hearing stories from others and taking their experiences in and and growing yourself. And, you know, we kind of touch on that actually in this chat, you know, with, with Dennis kind of talking and reflecting back on some of his earlier lyrics that he had written for sticks you know like the grand illusion mr roboto and all that kind of stuff you know it's it's one of those where you know as i even said in the d episode sometimes it's crazy that some of these artists that a lot of people have kind of i don't want to say it like this but have kind of written off as being oh well you know they're they're that old band they're the old band people they're still the things that they said 20 30 40 50 years ago it's still relevant today and we can't discredit that you know there's the old saying uh, and i and i don't remember who said it but it was basically um those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it essentially and it's crazy that you know like dennis and i kind of talk about a little bit about how some of the stuff he's been talking about still relevant today and he's been talking about it for so long and it's like yeah it's in a poppy song but the lyrics and, and the words still ring true today and it's it's crazy that you know we didn't necessarily heed his advice, um, I guess, all those all those generations ago. Um, but without further ado, you didn't come here to listen to me blab and, and kind of get all intellectual uh, with everything. I do want to preface, though, um, he recorded it basically on his side. Uh, the video that we did uh, was recorded via his iPad. And there's a little bit of a clipping noise uh, as he's talking. I don't think it takes away from the conversation you can clearly hear what he's saying um so just as a heads up might be a minor annoyance to you Uh, i did the best i could to try to fix it um but fuck it and it's it's live that's that's what doing things live in the moment is like so without further ado this is my conversation with dennis young talk to you on the other side of it wasn't someone else. Uh, John. John? Yes. H O H N? No H, I'm not biblical. I didn't earn my H yet.
1: Oh, like John Anderson.
0: Sure. John Anderson, there's uh No, John Candy had an H too. Now I think about it, I was going to say John Candy, but that's wrong. Usually where are you? Well, what are you? I'm in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. oh Dutchman. That is a lot of Dutch people here in Michigan. I'm originally from well, Delaware, my, though. So my name is Young. So it's my dad was uh, half Dutch. W- what were you gonna say? I was gonna say I'm originally from Delaware, though. So kind of a nomad, man of no land. <laughs> Joe Biden. Uh, yes, Joe Biden. <laughs> I often forget about that. Surprisingly, I always hear the Wayne's World joke is, uh the reference. Everyone always says when I say Delaware, and I'm like, yeah, I've been hearing that for 25 years now, and it's still not as still not very funny. What's a mother to do? <laughs> um, so I know uh, you probably got some press you're doing today after me, so we'll get right into it. Um, your newest final... I got, I got nothing after this, so oh. whatever you want to do. I'm, I'm, I'm
1: trapped in my house for 15 months, for God's sake.
0: I Surprisingly today, I just got an email saying that uh, we got approved for a festival, and I... It was weird because I wasn't sure that anyone would want to do in-person media at a festival. So I was really kind of hesitant to even apply and just got the approval. And I'm like, all right, it seems like that's the last straw to say that things are finally kind of back on track. You get a vaccine? I did. I uh, worked for a company that made one of them, the Johnson & Johnson one, actually. Okay. So good luck. luck. Thank you very much. Uh, your last recorded album, Volume... I'm sorry, not Volume. It's Volume 2, but uh, 26 East Volume 2 is out now. I, First of all, I really do want to say, uh, wholeheartedly, I want to say thank you for making an album where you can clearly tell that you were having fun making the record. It comes across throughout the whole experience. Thanks, John.
1: I, um, you can see where we are here? Yeah. This is... Uh, <clears throat> That's a green screen. That stings powdery. (laughs) Um, Okay, that joke always works. Yeah, this is where I made the record. Uh, The last four tracks were all... Actually, the whole album was mixed right here in this. Mm. uh, I think, I mean, by myself, um, because a lot of those six records, most of them from Equinox, uh, you know, I was kind of like the centerpiece to developing the the recorded sound and mixing it. I had a lot of help. Mm. From the engineer and the other guys in the band. We did it as a collective, but I was kind of like on board on the captain, as it were. So I I mix this stuff, and um, I'm very pleased, as pleased as somebody like me can be, who's always in the process of challenging himself mm-hmm. and beating him up, beating himself up to say, Well, you could have done better, you schmuck. Um, that the way it turned out, you know, the, the, the re- reaction overwhelmingly has been of these last two volumes uh, has been so uplifting and positive to a 74 year old that it's amazing. And I resisted doing this. I didn't want to do it because I, I figured a, no one would give, a, you know, give a fiddler's fart. And to, you know, the way the music business is, I mean, it's just, you know, you're wasting your time and money to do this stuff at uh s- certainly with two volumes but Jim Peterick my friend and neighbor he lives three blocks from me who's in uh Ides of March and uh Survivor mm-hmm. he tricked me into doing it <clears throat> so I'm glad I'm glad we did it and I got to say goodbye to the fans who have made me a very wealthy man and I don't take that lightly
0: I think you know that's Throughout everything I've heard you do, you know, when you were on Chris Jericho's podcast, uh, when volume one had come out, when you were doing the rounds, you know, with like Daddy Trunks and so forth. That was kind of the interesting thing about it, because even though you had said there was another one coming, that this was almost kind of a a, a double victory lap of sorts for you to really kind of thank the fans. And it's it was really refreshing to me as someone who, you know, grew up on, you know, like sticks music and a lot of the stuff my parents listened to that you seemingly are one of the few artists who I don't want to say self-aware, but is one of those where it's like, you understand that fans love, you know, sticks music, you have your greatest hits and the things that everyone wants to hear from you and that people probably aren't as receptive to newer music from someone in your position. But I love the fact that you are aware of that. And you said that, even going into this recording process of, of these two records that basically you knew it had to be at least that good or better because no one would care and you didn't want to taint what you had been doing. And I, and I just think that that's really admirable as an artist to, to understand that at this point in your career.
1: I'm the guy who created the grand illusion in 77. And I said, deep inside, we're all the same. And I did tell the audience we're an illusion <laughs> We're creating it for your entertainment for goodness sakes. Right. I said, uh, don't be fooled by the radio. I was talking about us. Mm. You know, we're here. We're trying to sell you something. It's capitalism. And capitalism works this way. We create the illusion of a need for buyers that they then feel obligated to fulfill. That's okay. Capitalism has has been the best. it's, it's, It's brought more boats up you know, with the tide than any other form of government, but it has the strawbacks we all know it does. But I was just saying, and hey, by the way, you know, I'm from the south side of Chicago and my parents were, you, don't be too full of yourself. Mm. I'll be a little bit because nobody <laughs> pays attention. You don't. But remember, ultimately, <clears throat> you ain't all that much because mm. I've only ever been, listen, when you start playing the accordion, <laughs> you better have a good sense of humility. <laughs> <laughs> so, you start off on the accordion. You, well, okay, this is how this works. Um, so I, I have, have I, always known that I don't look down on people for what they do for a living, or you know, I, I try to accept people for who they are, and what they are, based on how they treat me. Mm. And it's always been my belief. There's only one rule. That's the golden rule. Mm. If we just practice that, we jackwagon, stupid's of human beings, we'd be, we have a better planet. Unless you're a masochist, and then do unto others could mean something else. Put that <laughs> aside, <clears throat> um, so that's it. And less hubris, you stupids, and more humility. And I followed that path my whole life, never thinking. Believe me, I always thought I was good. Coupled with the idea that I thought I was a faker. Mm. This is human experience. You know, fifty percent hubris, fifty percent insecurity. I thought I had talent, something to offer, something to give. But still, that aside, that's music. That's entertainment. It's what I'm good at. On the other hand, I'm the guy that walks off the stage and asks his wife to,
0: to wash his underpants.
1: <laughs> that's it. Are you with me?
0: Absolutely. I...
1: Deep and high, we're all the same. Deep in, I said it. Okay, you get up there on the pedestal, you get the money, the success. The power, the prestige. Look at how many people think you're something. Uh, you're you're just another human being on a planet that nobody understands, <laughs> hurtling through through space. If the pandemic doesn't teach people, then they're never gonna they're never gonna learn anything. Uh but let's face it, subtle science, John. <laughs> remember the Big Bang? Were you there for the Big I, Bang? I wasn't. Available. I wasn't either. Yep. Boom. Guess what? Science was settled. And then, you know what isn't settled? Human beings don't know nothing. They they scratch, they sniff at the boundaries. But what do
0: we know? We
1: don't know anything. So try it, humans. Step back and say, <laughs> I want to do more. Because right now, I, I
0: feel like I don't know something. Well, it, I feel like even, you know, it, kind of really piggybacking right off of that, you have a line in Land of the Living, I wasn't living just existing to me. And I know the song is, is more about finding love and kind of feeling that completion when you, when you meet someone that you're meant to be with. But to me, it's funny how you can almost relate some of the lyrics to that song about what we all collectively as humans have gone through in this pandemic. Like the pandemic maybe gave us all a sense, uh, gave us a time to sit back, reflect, and kind of figure out how and who we want to be as people moving forward.
1: Jim Peterick. That's the song that got me started. I said, Jim, I'm not making an album. You gonna have songs, but well, I got to go sit and write a song. I mean, how many, uh, he said, I'll send you some ideas. He sent me, uh, the really a real good example of land of the living. And I thought, okay. Okay. So we down and started writing. And then, um, uh, we used our experiences he's been married a long time to Karen I've been married a long time to Suzanne we started putting in the lyric the arrangement this is how Sticks would do it how do we make it sound like that um, three and a half years ago that was written mm. so we had no knowledge that there would be a pandemic and then when I was getting ready to put it on this album I called oh, up Jim I said, do you know what land this could be back in the land of the living. Wow. <laughs> Pretty cool. And, but, and I said, should we, I thought, should we change the lyrics and make them more centric, centric, centric to the, the idea of what we've been through? Hmm. And then I, I thought, well, no, I, eh. because people don't hear all the lyrics most of the time. They're going to remember it's good to be back in the land of the living, and they're going to think that's what it's about anyway. Right. So rather than get, um, look what's happened to us. Oh my God. Oh my God. You know, good to be, I decided no. So it's, it was just dumb, stupid luck, which is my favorite kind, by the way, John, (laughs) dumb, stupid. Oh God. It's because you, you know, you're just sitting there eating pizza. Something good happens to you. This is what I like. You don't have to work.
0: Well, (sighs) and I think that's kind of an interesting thing is like (sighs) There's there's so much about, you know, I feel like knowing that you're going to there's going to be finality in your career, it, recorded at least uh, by doing this, that I I don't know if it would be more freeing to you to kind of just kind of do whatever, because you're like, fuck it, it's the last record. Like, I'm, I want to go out. I want to push myself as much as I can, and I don't want to leave any stone unturned, either sonically, lyrically, whatever, because I want to if this is going to be it, then this is going to be it. And I feel like the fact that you're even saying that years after you've written a song and you had it to where you thought it was ready to go, you're still even second guessing it and kind of doing that. But I, I, I have to believe that you're not done creating music. I mean, I just with the output of these two records and hearing you talk on all these other shows, I just don't believe that you're going to be able to put it away. Honestly.
1: I'm going to find out, right, John? Because <clears throat> pretty soon. I'll be done promoting this thing, and, uh, and then I gotta sit here. It'd be different if I was going on tour because it would be distracted, but I'm, gonna, I, I'm not going to do that till next year uh, because my, my theory is all the bands that rush out to play have really big alimony payments. <laughs> so, uh, I, I have to tell you, I didn't say I would never write another song and record it. What I said was, hey kids, If you like me, God bless you. If you don't, get lost. Mm. I'm not making a whole album anymore. It's too much work. Nobody cares. The music business is a shambles. It's a joke. I don't need your money. But if I can't even reach you Mm. at what I would call a a significant audience, people, if somebody sells 50,000 CDs today, uh, there's a parade in New York down Fifth Avenue for them. It's stupid. It's, it, it, it's, it's an insult, insult to the greatest musical, not the greatest, the greatest art form in the world, to the people who bring you that joy because there's nothing that can bring people joy like music. No art form. What? I could stand in front of the Mona Lisa for a month at the Louvre, have baguettes brought in daily, right? She's not going to get any better looking. <laughs>
0: That's very true.
1: I'm looking. I'm done. I don't need to look no more can you watch a movie a hundred times if it's good what's wrong with you a hundred times a movie john i'm gonna have i'm gonna have to have you get psychiatric (laughs) uh a hundred times reading a book but a hundred times listening to a song you bet that's why it's magic i've been involved in it i got involved in it accidentally and um i'm so happy i did but if I want to write a song, I will, but I'll, I'll throw it up. But no more pressure mm. to fulfill an audience that is so small. Because, you know, the joke, what do you do in the, when the classic rock band plays a new song? Yeah, You, you go pee. Um, if you play three songs, you, know, you go wash your car. <laughs> this is the fact of life. John, wake up. All you people, you know, it's like the people who like vinyl. Really? Okay. Um, this is what I say to them. Here's the thing. Analog was traditionally always better than digital. Digital caught up. It's, it sounds pretty good. Having said that, the, the first time you play your record is the best it will ever sound. Absolutely, It will never sound that way again. So I think for nostalgia purposes or kids like you, who think they miss something because they were there? I say, let's make the downloads so where you can press the button and the smell of vinyl hits you in the face. This is all we need.
0: <laughs> I I understand what you're saying. My dad and I have this conversation all the time because he makes the comment of like, bring
1: him in here. I want to uh, talk to an adult.
0: He, <laughs> <laughs> he uh, is about an hour away in Kalamazoo. Um, but it K A.
1: It got out of real-
0: <laughs> but it's one of those things like, you know, a lot of people ask me why I'm into vinyl, and I will say they've they've updated it enough to have a little bit more longer lasting uh, playability. But I think the thing that interests me very much, like starting the podcast five years ago is, you know, I'm of the, the last generation, I'll say that where. We had tactile things. We had, you know, CDs, vinyl, or I'm sorry, not CDs. We did have those, but we had cassettes. We had vinyl where you had to be immersed and being an active participant in listening to the music. Same with like, you know, books. You know, we didn't have audio books. We didn't have things that would just do those things for you. You had to be engaged in whatever medium of entertainment you wanted to be involved in. And to me, I feel like same with podcasting. I got into this because too many people, when you hang out with people, are just on their phones now. And it's like, I thought the whole point of coming to hang out with me was to actually hang out with me and and converse and gain knowledge of each other and talk about things and not just sit on our phones and ignore each other. Like I could do that from the comfort of my own home. But I think that's the thing, you know, I was talking with Josh Todd from Buck Cherry the other, uh, probably about like two weeks ago now. And I had made the comment about why do we still have classic music that audiences that were several decades removed away from these songs being hits in the first place, you know, like your journeys, your sticks, your Aerosmiths, your all these bands. Why do we still all listen to those records and why are they timeless? And where are the other bands that are supposed to be coming underneath them and replace, not replacing them, but making equally as great music. And the only band I can pinpoint that somehow has had that same kind of success is Foo Fighters. Like I feel like they are the last band to really, go across multi-generational and write full records and kind of give everyone the experience that a lot of us that kind of grew up in that era want and and had. You sound like an old person. I have been told I have an old soul. (laughs) Look, Um,
1: you want to hear the truth? Absolutely. I mean, you said you wanted to talk to me. Listen to this now. We lived at the right time all those bands in the 60s and 70s, because people were so focused on us and music. It was their, it was central to their life. There weren't all the distractions that young people have today, you know, with the internet, uh, the internet itself. You know, it, the people walk around with a thing in their hand now that really contains the powers of an 18th century king. Mm. An 18th century king couldn't go, I'm going to call Berlin. I'm going to go, hey, guess what I think, Berlin. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? St- Absolutely. So they were focused and music was central to their lives. Uh, that's, not what, that's not true today. It's not a fault of the audience. They are just products of their environment. They are absolute products of the changes in technology. And I don't think our generation or the generations you're talking about were more superior. We, just, we, we were just, like I said, we were people of our time. And I've said this over and over again, people laugh, but I'm telling you right now, Sticks wouldn't, I wouldn't be as wealthy right now if, if, if all the young boys um, in those days had uh, access, accessibility to porn. <laughs> 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 They're not going to be listening to sticks as much. This is, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's an outrageous uh, um, kind of comparison, but it's true. Now you can go, oh, look, I couldn't, if I was 15 and I could go like that and look at that, I'd go, what am I doing? I'm looking. So uh, it sticks later. This is a fact. People now have so many choices and they become, you know, it is the selfie generation. Mm. All the people who were successful and famous during my time had to earn it the hard way. They had to pass muster, get in and go, you know, as a tribunal, whoever they were, you know, we had to uh, meet their expectations. Then they led us in the club, into the record deal and the radio. Now everyone goes in the basement. I make a thing, a doom, a doom, a boom, put it up myself. Value has um, plummeted because of the ability for everyone to not to be edited, not to have to be judged first, to be judged by the world at large. Uh, do you get some really cool things out of there? Uh, probably, but not enough. Mm. Because here's the joy that all your young listeners are going to say, when is this old man going to shut up? Here, here's when I lived. It, it was our bargain. You heard something on the radio or saw something on TV and, and, and you liked it. And then you wrote it down and tried to listen again for it to come up on the radio a second time. And then you I liked it. And down in the record store, you'd go and you'd buy it. It was the thing. And you brought it home. It was the thing. It was a thing. You could hold it in your hand. It wasn't a concept. Right? It wasn't ether. Right. It was tangible. Now today, the radio still exists, but it doesn't have the reach, because everything is in a niche, right? Everything's in a genre. a subgroup of a subgroup of a, I only like Albedian, hard rock, punk music with ballads, and occasional they say a bad word. And they have all have one leg. This is the music you could listen to. Hmm. And I say, when you have to search and look on the Internet, it's like homework. It's not joy. Joy is just being eaten the pizza again. It comes on the radio. You're happy. It's mindless in a way, but it allows you to make a choice from those things that are presented. Now, people are going to go and say, you, you, shut up, you old person, because now I can hear everything that's ever been recorded. Well, yeah, what would you do with that? How old are you? You got time? You don't have time.
0: (laughs) You see what I'm saying? I do.
1: It's like, Will I find the most beautiful girl in the world that's perfect for me that I would marry, even if she's not beautiful because she loves me? Am I going to find that person? Maybe she lives within the next two miles of you. That's how it used to be. So, you know, people. I beg your pardon. Yeah, you, were, <laughs> you were two miles from me, and I used to drive there snow, and rain. I was the best girl you ever dated. Who said you weren't? I was just trying to say yeah, if I John here had to. Is he too young? Yes. She, she was the best girl I ever, best looking girl I ever saw. Um, that isn't even, I don't have to make that up. And she was so stupid and so naive at 15 that she thought I was cool. Anyway, um, so, what the, how are we talking about? Oh, anyway, so it, music was, you know, and now it's ubiquitous. People made a decision, uh, uh, had a decision to make, John, made a choice. Do you want the music to be? Constantly accessible or better quality. They said, oh, yeah, if I'm taking a leak, I'd like to be able to hear something on my phone. <laughs> That's what they decided. You, in the old days, you hear music in your car, right? You might see it on TV, or you heard it on your radio, or you played it in your house. But now, <clears throat> nobody dragged their stereo, as they say here, into the bucats, which is in the word for the bathroom. Uh, and set up your stereo and sat there and listened. <laughs> That's not what was going to happen. Right. So, you know, you have you you have accessibility to everything, and I, I see there your collection. There's there are records in that collection mm-hmm. that you don't really play because you didn't like them, but you have them, but you won't throw them away, John. You won't because it's hard. You can't throw them away. It's you hold it again. I finally bet a guy you can't get rid of it. Back you put it. See now if you if you download something or stream it gone who cares because it ain't real like i told you it's not
0: tangible it's not a thing it's funny i do i make a rule every record i buy i listen to it as soon as i get it before i put it into the collection on top of that i don't buy anything that i don't want because i used to do that when i started buying records i would buy something because i'm like oh i think i'm gonna like this and then buy it and didn't and then it just sat there and I was like why do I why am I wasting time and more importantly space on something that I'm not going to use and I'm not going to get value out of I was well you
1: used to you're talking about control you could check out almost every song on an album now and then just decide back in the old days you heard one song on the radio you had to take it you had to take a leap so but a lot of great yeah a lot of great music was
0: was being created so to even counter counter your comment on that something i've been doing recently with some of my favorite bands is because i remember when all you would get is the promotional single essentially to sell the whole record to get you to buy the whole thing and there have been times more recently where to get that experience to get that excitement to get that fulfillment or that that real experience i used to get growing up there are times when a band that i love if they put out a pre-order, I'm going to pre-order the record, not even going to check out the song. I'm going to wait until I physically get it. I'm going to put it on and I'm going to listen to it all as it was intended to be taken in. And I know that is not the experience that most people do. And it has burned me. There have definitely been times I was really excited for a record and i listened to it and I didn't love it right away. So then I did what we all used to do. You listen to it some more. And maybe you realize that there's certain things that, aren't necessarily a first time listen you have to really live the record and find out what it is saying there have been times with some artists where i'll listen to the record and i'll try to listen to it and and i just i don't get it i don't get it as the listener i don't get it from a musician standpoint but then i go see the artist live and i see them play those songs and i go oh this was never meant necessarily for the listening experience this was always meant for a live experience And now when I listen to those songs, I go, it takes me back to the live experience. It takes me back to an experience I had with hundreds of thousands of others, potentially a shared experience, which is what I think music is kind of all about. It's supposed to be enjoyed individually, but also with a a whole bunch of other people, with other fans. And that has been something as I've gotten older. Where so many people are just quick to be like, oh, yeah, that record's cool for today, or this is fine for now, and no one talks about it. I, I want more out of it because I guess a, I have more of an appreciation for finding little nuances, little Easter eggs in the overdubs, the overlays, or, hey, that was cool. You played this melody here, but then it comes back, or there's a line that references another song. You can't do that if you only listen to something the one time. That's something you have to earn. Uh, Just like I feel like age, like my wife is like, I hate getting older. And I'm like, I love getting older because you have to earn it. It's not something you can typically just dumb luck your way through. You have to fucking earn your age um, or something terrible will probably have taken you out. So how old are you? I'm going to be 37 in September. Um, let's face it, you're
1: you're, that way after seven. Yeah, right. (laughs) You're a nice, intelligent. You're a nice, intelligent music nut. So um, because you make it your life, there are a lot of people who who view music as background, atmosphere to their lives. You don't. So you're you're coming from a point of view that's intrinsically more dedicated to the exploration of music. And that's great. But most people don't. You know, they want to hum along and maybe shake their hip. Uh, And I, 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 I love them all. If they love me, I love them right back. I'm easy. You know, here, scratch me right here. <laughs> I'm following you. It, you know, it, it, is that is it wrong to say that? No, because we're, we're just looking for approval and love, aren't we, John? We want to be approved of. We want our dad and our moms to be proud of us. You know that. So, um, but what you're talking about is on a different level as a listener and somebody does it semi-professionally. Would you have a job? Yeah.
0: This does not pay my not, bills, sadly. <laughs> all
1: right, so let's talk about 26 East by M2.
0: Got a question for me? I do. Um, you know, on Last Guitar Hero, I I was really excited to get to that song because I was like, all right, Last Guitar Hero, like, where are you going to go with it musically? What is it going to be about lyrically? And, you know, I'm kind of wondering, like, who like? Are you going to bring a guest on too? Because I'm like, okay, last guitar hero. Who 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 are you deeming who as the last guitar hero? And then I see in the liner notes, Tom Morello's on it. How did you end up working with Tom for that song? And what do you feel like he brought? Or I guess more to the point, do you feel like he is the last guitar hero?
1: I played uh, Adam Sandler's Christmas Hanukkah Shindig about four or five years ago. Hmm. I sang, you know, he had a bunch of famous people come in his, to his big party. <clears throat> Tom was there, and um, my guitar player asked Tom, Do you want to, August, do you want to meet Dennis? And uh, he said, Yeah. And we talked, and he, he said he was a Styx fan. I went, Wow. And he liked, he saw the Paradise Theater tour, he saw Mr. Roboto tour, and he liked them both. Okay, <clears throat> so this song was written, with Jim Peterick and I wrote it. Again, three years ago, and um, I started thinking, "Who's going to play on?" And five, four, three, two. Uh, come on! There you go. It, well, yep. Listen, when a comes in on on this iPad, and this is not as good as Zoom. Zoom comes right back. Can you see me yet? Yeah, I can see you. Do I? Uh, I can't see me. Maybe I should see. Well, I know what I look like. There I am. Um, I thought, okay, who's the last guitar hero? I thought, uh, well, the great Houdini Tamorello might be the last guy who played something, who did something different with the guitar. Absolutely. A lot of guys can play notes, I think. I've said this a million times. I look on YouTube, there's a four year old Japanese girl who does all Eddie Van Halen solos. <laughs> Oh, that's possible, but okay. He did something different, and I I met him. He said he's a fan, so I, I just contacted him. He said, "Send me the song." I sent him the song. He said, "I love this song." Okay, this uh, that's a deal. That's it. It's just as easy as that. And um, what did he bring? Well, he brought Tom Morello, which is a you know I I thought, hey, you, he didn't ask me what do you want me to do. I just basically, you're Tom I mean. I'm not going to ask you how Dennis Dean should sing. He's got a good idea. So uh, that's how that happened. Uh, and he played, and I went, wow. Never saw that coming. <laughs> so it, that's how it worked out. Um, two guys, like a mutual admiration society, musically for each other, uh, just coming together to make each other's music better. Absolutely. I think that's... Yeah, I, 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 but I, I'm, I'm going to be playing keyboards and new backing vocals on the next Rage Tour. No, I'm
0: not. <laughs> that would be really interesting, especially if they uh, did any of the cover stuff. I could see you doing uh, some interesting keys. Now,
1: babe, like Dennis DeYoung with Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> I, know, I,
0: I could see you doing some stuff like they did that covers record uh, where they did like the Ghost of Tom Jones and stuff like that. And it was really stripped down. I could see you doing an interesting, an interesting accompaniment to something like that, actually. Yeah, you don't want to see me strip. <laughs> um, you know, I, I thought something kind of weird. I think a little bit, but I, I think it would lead to maybe an interesting story, given how long you've had a career in the music business, putting out records. With this, and it's—I know it's a little bit different now. You know, necessarily can't go to your local record store and pick up your record. But do you have a ritual uh, that you go through when celebrating the release of a new album?
1: Not the last two. I mean, it was a pandemic both times. It wasn't much of a ritual. <clears throat> um, the last one I did, other than that, was 100 years from now. I did a, a, that's a really good record. If you've never heard it, you should pick it up. Really terrific. Uh, it was '09. Yeah. So in the old days, you'd have an album listening party, even when I was in my solo career. But like so much else in the, in the music business, the the hoopla that surrounds the release of a record is, you know, saying, well, fine. Well, well, we got that done. <laughs> you know, it's not like it used to be, you know, <clears throat> Hey, cake and ice cream. No, it's not like that. So, uh, it's, it's more, yeah, I got it done. Let's listen to it. Eh, mission accomplished. It doesn't suck. <laughs> Cause that was the goal. Don't suck, man. Right. Um, music, has become so cliched, popular music, and especially rock music, because we've been kicking this idea of rock music around since 1954, 55. It's a long time to take three or four chords and bash them. You know what I mean? It, there's a, there's, there's, it's finite. Humans aren't that clever. So it's like when I see somebody young breaking their guitar on stage, I, you know, I, 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 I yawn. And I and I and I nod off. I mean, how many times? To- Please, mm. you are a, a cliche of a cliche of a cliche. Uh, Google, you got Google, kids. This was done in the middle '60s, for goodness' sake. Call Pete. You know, offer him some of your royalties. It's it's just like, you know. Of course, there's all kinds of young people who think everything started last Thursday. <laughs> I think you could argue that. Um, so you see what I'm saying? There's no hoopla. You did it. You, 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 you send it to your record company, and, and you hope they like it. After all, they paid for it. And then you, you wait for people like yourself to pass judgment. And that's what people do when they, when they uh, stick their arms up over the crowd and jump up and down and say, hey, look at me. Judge me. That's what I gave you. I gave you permission, John. I don't know you. I gave you permission to judge me. That's the bargain. And if you think, well, this guy's a poo-poo face, that's the risk I take. And I just hope I find like-minded people who would say, hey, you know what? I like this. It makes me happy. I learned something. It makes me happy. That's what we're shooting for. So the hoopla, and in this day and age, don't blink, you might miss it. Because it's an ever evolving rush to nowhere that humanity is on through technology. Gone like uh, what, what did I say? Uh we're all we're all just bits of bites, you know. It's an, it's in the lyric of Les Guitar Hero, which is really about technology, more than it is about the last guitar hero. Which is always, which has been a concern of mine since Mr. Roboto. You know, the problems plain to see, too much technology, machines to save our lives. Machines dehumanize. Is it true? Damn right. It's true. Machines can save our lives and they (laughs) dehumanize. Jesus. (laughs) Dehumanize. That was a thought I had in 1982. It's still true today. And nothing makes me happen. They go to the video of Mr. Roboto, which has only been like three and a half years. It has 20, almost 22 million, 21. What is it? Um, and people saying, yeah, yeah, I feel this way. Uh, Daft Punk owes them royalties, stuff like that. And I think to myself, well, uh, I was just talking about the replacement of what I saw, working class people, by the automation of their jobs and factories. Because I came from uh, an area in Chicago where everyone worked, worked with their hands, had a lunch pail. The real, true uh, Blue collar workers of America. And I saw how in the 80s that, that was in jeopardy. And these people who worked hard didn't have the higher education because, for whatever reason, they couldn't afford it, couldn't do it. The World War II, Bobby B <clears throat> were able to raise families like mine and have a decent life. Hmm. Never getting rich, never caring about it, just have a decent life. And I thought that that was all in jeopardy. And now we see it reflected in the political situation where people are scared to death. They're so filled with fear and anger that, um, and rightly so, because they know that they don't need a text from somebody to tell them that you know, you're next to be replaced. That's what that song is about.
0: <clears throat> I think it's kind of interesting, you know, talking. I was kind of picking up on some of that in The Last Guitar Hero and I think it even kind of goes back to a little bit of what I, you and I were actually just talking about probably five, ten minutes ago. You know, the thing like I was saying that I loved about this record from start to finish and, and realistically everything that you've put out is and I think it's it speaks more to you as an individual and as an artist is. I don't really feel like I've ever heard anything you've done where I felt like you compromised yourself because it's good enough. We already got nine songs. Tenth one can be eh. You've never really shortchanged your passion, it seems to me, as, as someone who doesn't know you at all. Um, and I've always thought that was kind of commendable. And when you go back, because as you were kind of asking me about like, you know, or saying, you know, people don't really listen to music and so forth. Something that I have found myself doing more of, because uh, someone actually had just asked me this through one of our podcast soldiers or whatever, like, what are you listening to? Because you like, you know, same similar things as me. And I go, honestly, I don't really listen to a whole lot of new music anymore. I feel what I kind of do now is I go back and I try to find where things are coming from that informed what's happening now. So there is a hip hop producer that's from the Detroit area that's been, you know, deceased for almost 20 years now. And I have been going back and listening to his music. And then once I kind of felt over the last three to five years that I got a sense of what he was doing. I started going to all the other things he started touching, the other artists he worked with, and then kind of slowly seeing like, oh, at this point, he was replaced and kind of had worked with Kanye West when Kanye West was an unknown at the time. And then kind of seeing how Kanye kind of picked the pieces of this person, Jay Dilla, and moved forward and took what he was doing and moved forward with it. You know, there's that line and I might be misquoting it or I might have the wrong person, which is kind of irony if I do. But I think it was Thomas Jefferson who said, those who don't know their history are doomed to repeat it. And the older I get, I tend to find that you can relay that sentiment into so many things because, yes, I could sit there and tell you whatever about Cardi B that I read about in some stupid headline. But does it have any value? Probably not. Like, but is there something maybe that if I actually went beyond the surface and kind of went and looked at, you know, the producer who wrote something and then saw that they did something and then kind of go back and then how was how did whatever they were informed by get you to where we are currently? To me, and kind of you know, in wrapping up my thought, it was a thing where, like you said, interestingly enough, as I've gone back through your lyrics and your music over you know my lifetime. And talking about it with like my parents and so forth, it's one of those where you're just shocked that it's like, yeah, lyrically and everything, this is all still relevant because we're still all going through the same shit that we were a while ago. We haven't solved anything. Why why don't we pay attention to the artists sometimes when they're actually speaking truths about bigger things than just a, a poppy song? And that's kind of the unfortunate thing, I think, sometimes when we as music fans only credit you for just being this one thing, this niche thing, and not something that we could look at in a way, way bigger spectrum to maybe have a bigger conversation. Well, sorry, um, I got long winded there.
1: Think, <laughs> no, that's okay. I, I, I think people have rent to pay, they have children to raise, they have you know disease to deal with in their lives. I don't expect them to... Um, you're different. I told you, you're, you're, you're one of the, one who was trying to think the big thing as Dr. Sue says, and look into everything because this is your passion. Most people, you know, it's, I like that. I'm going to listen. And so I don't expect them, but here's what I would say. Did we talk about deep inside? We're all the same yet. Cause I've done so many interviews today. I think we, t- I think I we that? touched on it. Um, okay. I said, it, 77 deep inside. We're all the same. That's it. And, um, However, we puff ourselves up into, we talked about hubris, have we, and humility. We talk okay, good. Can you see what happens to a guy who does four Zooms in a row? I've
0: My theory it. is this.
1: Uh, I, I had some things I thought were important to say, and I tried to wrap them in melody. <laughs> that was what I was doing. Um, and some people took it at face value and listened to the music, and the rest of, the rest of it was just, you know, it was there if you wanted to, and if you didn't want it, that's okay. Which leads me to my my, my, my thought on people who only like one type of music, where they gravitate to them and the rest of it. In, in a rock and roll purist, most of those people don't like anything that's romantic or soft. They have no time for it. And I think to myself, well, okay, I think you're missing out. If this is how you want you to leave your life, it's good. who cares? Not me. Music is too large, too beautiful. To there to be embraced in so many different ways. the ways I can be entertained, the ways I I can feel by the various different styles of music, that's me. And so I have tried as my role in sticks and out to try to not just be that. We got ACDC if you want that. They're very good at it. okay? Here's, here's a short album, ACDC Ballads. but <laughs> don't where's that? So okay, on the other hand, As a person who creates music, I just can't be doing one thing all the time because it's boring, unfulfilling, and it doesn't appeal to me. So for people who took anything from the lyrics I wrote, I'm happy. And I know they have because they tell me on social media. They tell me on uh, YouTube comments, on Facebook. And I think sometimes, John, I go, oh, my God. I told them not to put me on a pedestal, (laughs) and they did anyway. And I can't stop them. And, and I wouldn't tell you there isn't a part of me that is feels gratified. What am I, full of shit? Yeah, it's great. On the other hand, when they say uh, Dennis is God's gift, I think I need to have a conversation with God. That doesn't sound right to me. I know Dennis. He doesn't have that much to do with God. I mean, uh, so humility. I know I'm good, John. What am I, stupid? I know I'm good. But I, I also know I'm deep inside. You and I are the same. You know, we have our... What's the word I'm looking for? We're f- so far from perfect it's not even funny. And perfect should never come into the conversca- conversation because it doesn't exist in humankind. But what I tried to do was to be the best I could. And I had to treat the audience with respect because they paid for everything I have. They gave me the notoriety. They gave me the nice car and the nice house and, and the ability to get extra cheese on pizza if that's what I want to do. So I know who I am. I've known who I am since I started doing this. And I've tried to be honest, understanding that, uh, you know, I'll put on these sad pants. I'll have my hair down to here. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little something that will... Trick you into believing I am special all the time, telling you, "Well, deep inside, we're all the same." <laughs> and that's why this album—I couldn't do this album unless I see. This is why I went make another album. Then it's so sad. Even you make another album. <laughs> Here's what I would tell them. Go buy 200,000 copies. I'll make one personally for you. Okay, but that's not where we're at. Where we're at, and for me to just keep doing it. It's way too much work for somebody 74 years old. Uh, And I've done enough where you could go and say, and pick and choose what you like from it. Absolutely. And I I don't mean to be dismissive, but when you keep the bar as high as I've always kept it it for myself, you know, at some point you go, I I jumped. Did you see me? I jumped. (laughs) And I jumped. And now I'm not jumping. (laughs) (laughs) It's I could break a hip. This is my philosophy.
0: Last question for you before I let you go. Looking back at the legacy of your career, is there something that stands out as your proudest moment now that you basically are kind of done recording full albums at this point? Is there something that stands out to you as something that you look back and go, that, I'm very proud of that.
1: Longevity. Hmm. Number one, I, I want to thank the inventors of porn that they weren't interfering with my success and number two sticks ultimately represented a vision that i had that was simple write a great song make the best record of you, you can of it don't be overwhelmed with style just quality you don't have to belong to the biker gang or the hippies this political party or that religious sect just be true to yourself make the best songs and sing them good that's what i thought so you babe rubato renegade come say the way castle wall what do they have in common people would say they don't even sound like the same band and i would go yes success that's what i wanted i just wanted to give people an eclectic look at what we were musically and find out what they liked in what we did.
0: I think that's one of the things that has endeared you to not only like someone like myself who is, wasn't around, you know, in the quote unquote heyday, um, but your music has endured is the fact that you don't belong any in any one place. You belong everywhere. Uh, And I think that your music will, as I was saying earlier with the different bands that I mentioned, your music will live on, uh, for many many generations and all that, so I uh, you're a great,
1: great man, John. I thank you for that. And I would just say, in closing, 26 East kids go on YouTube, you don't have to pay for anything. You, you know, you want to check that out Isle of Misanthrope cool video. Then there's another video where I explain the depth and the drama of that video by poking fun at everything in it. Have you seen that I one? I did, yet?
0: I watched it uh, the other day actually.
1: So, you know who I am this is serious on the other
0: hand that's like hey, too serious
1: and then there's the Tamarella one there's another one coming you can make your choice and as i've oftentimes said follow me on facebook not into the men's room
0: <laughs> well thank you very much for your time and i assume your wife is still sitting off out on a shot of the screen thank her uh, as well for sharing your time with me I, today
1: well but about 20 minutes ago she was bored oh
0: me, so okay did. fair enough well thank you very much and uh, very much looking forward to Hopefully when touring comes back for you uh, next year to uh, catch the show and just kind of see what kind of spectacle you're going to put on with uh, the – I don't know how you're going to put a set list together, honestly, because um, I think you can honestly go out with Volume 1 and Volume 2, play half of each record, and I would be pretty stoked with that. I'll let you promote that tour. You ready to lose <laughs> <laughs> I, I got out of the booking game a long time ago, actually, so no, I'm not. <laughs> All right. Enjoy the rest of your Thanks. day. See ya. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So that was my conversation with Dennis DeYoung, formerly of Styx. Uh, again, his latest uh, solo album, his last recorded album, 28 East Volume 2, is out now. Go pick it up, stream it wherever you can. Uh, again, I want to say I just love the fact that he is a man who will talk at length. He has great stories. He, he wasn't afraid for me to kind of challenge him a little bit on some stuff and was really interested in a discourse. And I, and I kind of love that. And he didn't use my age against me necessarily and kind of respected when I had to say something and that I, I felt strongly about some of the things that I did, you know, about collecting records, about the fact that we've lost uh, touch with one another in a physical sense, uh, as far as, you know, wanting tangible things that we can all have now experiences and uh yeah i walked away from this conversation just feeling really really good about it uh kind of charged me up for the for about a couple of days just you know it's it's good that's what a good podcast that's what a good conversation can do for you you just walk away going like yeah we kind of talked about some shit and i think some people are really going to enjoy this um speaking of really enjoying this um and another legend, um, you know, I, I feel remiss uh if I didn't talk about this uh this really awesome bourbon that I just recently got. So if you follow me on our socials, we'll plug all that in a few minutes. Um you'll know that I went to a local uh, liquor store that I love here in town, Rishi's, uh over on 20th Street. If you live here in Grand Rapids or nearby, they have a great beer selection, great liquor selection. Uh, Rishi and the crew are very, very uh, accommodating, great customer service. Uh, But they had one of my favorite football players of all time, Charles Woodson. Uh, Obviously, if you know me, I love sports. I'm a U of M guy. Uh, Go blue. And Woodson has uh, parlayed his post-football career into wine and now into uh, bourbon. And the bourbon is made using some of his wine barrels. Um, So it's really interesting you know, self, uh, cross-pollinization of, uh, some of his projects. Uh, I was lucky enough to have him sign a bottle and then I went and found some that was not signed and I just recently bought it. Uh, it is super smooth. Uh, it is crazy how you can get some of the wine, uh, flavor out of it, kind of more on the back end, kind of like that, like kind of tannis, tanny, um, you know, flavor on the end of tannins, I believe is actually the word I'm looking for. But, um, It's, it's just, it's, it's interesting because in this day and age where a lot of people try to brand themselves into other things, as you famously heard me drink the Metallica beer, which tasted like shit, (laughs) sometimes some people just slap their name on something just to sell it, and the integrity behind Woodson's bourbon is, uh, you can tell that this needed to be Something that stood up to the legacy of Charles Woodson uh, in his hall of now hall of fame career. And it's one of those where I wish some other people had more integrity in what they do. And the way that that parlay is actually into, you know, this conversation with Dennis Young, I feel he has always had integrity. He's always had uh, professionalism and you know, it was kind of funny as his wife was listening in and, and kind of chimed in a couple of the times, you know, the fact he's still with her, that they've been together this whole time. The fact that he, you know, just he is the consummate professional, as, as I've always known him to be. He just is he's the man. <laughs> There's no other way I can put it uh, without, you know, just using the same uh, same words over and over and over again. But um, this bourbon, very much like Mr. DeYoung's uh, career in this album, smooth Really tasty, and uh, I have a good time enjoying these things at a very slow pace uh, to really take it all in and and just enjoy it. So that is going to be my drink for this podcast, and uh, let's wrap up this thing. If you would like to follow Dennis, you know, he's not super active on all the other social medias. Uh, I didn't find him on Instagram and I didn't find him on Twitter, but he is on Facebook at Dennis Young Official, and I'm actually really surprised. And I want you guys to go check out what he's doing over on his YouTube channel. And, uh, just basically search Dennis Young on YouTube, you'll find him. Uh, he posts things constantly, telling stories, answering questions that have kind of accumulated. Uh, that's sort of what Facebook is as well. Uh, his website is just dot uh, is just rife with uh, lots of cool things, stories, links to interviews and so forth. Um, it is, like I said, he is one of the few people from his generation that has seemingly really latched on to connecting with fans uh, in new ways. Uh, now that there are all these digital platforms to do such. So uh, just again, what a what an icon, what a legend to be able to do it for so long and at such a high level uh, and, and not to be afraid or intimidated to find new ways to to be with your fans uh, to interact with them so yeah like I said go to YouTube search out Dennis Young, or just go to DennisDeYoung.com all of it will be there uh, if you like, keep up with this podcast simple enough BruceSpeakPod.com that is the landing page for this podcast everything you need to know about us is over there and last but not least, I want to shout out our sponsors for the show. Uh, first, we want to start off with Rockabilia.com. Use our code brutally. It is new. We got a new code. Apparently, the older one was linked onto uh, some some sites, so you didn't have to listen to the show. Um, so the new code is brutally b r e w t a l l y. You would have heard it right in the beginning of the episode, so just want to make sure you know brutally, take 10% off your total purchase order. Want to thank Rockabilly again for coming on and sponsoring our show, The Bean Bastard. Head on over to TheBeanBastard.com, pick up some delicious coffee, support those guys and gals over at their brick and mortar in the Buffalo, New York area if you are able to. And last but not least is On Point Palmley. Keep your beard and hair looking on point. Use our code BSP15 and take 15% off your total purchase order. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I'm John, and I will talk to you all next week where I am joined by Frankie of Sleep Waker, and we will talk to you then.